Welcome to Triggered Wrestling. I'm Brian Garcia. I'm here with Adrian De Los Santos. We're going to be discussing AEW Dynamite, as well as is Collision considered the A show now? I agree and I say yes. Is Cora J getting ready to leave NXT? And is AEW a second promotion to WWE? Catch all of that and more on today's episode of Triggered Wrestling. Triggered Wrestling is so awesome all the way around. That gets me triggered. Ooh, okay, well, let's go with the bad trigger right now. See, I'm a, I'm a fan of all of it. We'll force you to watch Trigger Wrestling. What's up, everybody? Adrian, como estas? I'm doing great, man. Dynamite 200 did not disappoint. Never mind. It's disappointed in some ways, but it made it up by the main event. So, mixed feelings for me. So, let's get started off with the secondary promotion here of AEW. So, Triple H on the Cody Rhodes documentary called AEW the secondary promotion. So, are they secondary, Adrian? Absolutely, bro. When you create a company and you call it an alternative to something else, it's a secondary <laughs> promotion, bro. It's in the name. They advertise it all around before Dynamite even had their first episode. It's an alternative, meaning it's second. I would agree that they're a secondary promotion, but not for that reason. I think they're a secondary promotion just because of the amount of people that tune in and the amount of people that buy tickets. Sure, they can go around boasting that they have 70,000 people purchasing tickets for AEW's All-In in in Wembley Stadium. But you know what? Anytime anybody goes to England, it's just a professional wrestling-starved market. And they have pro wrestling over there, but not to the status, not to the size of AEW and WWE. Sure, you can go to your local pubs and see your favorites there, but it doesn't compare. It's like when the NFL football teams go over there. They sell out, bro. They don't even watch football over there, and they sell out. It's just when the big daddies come, you know, they they, want to go see. (laughs) Whoa. Oh, well, let me expose you real quick because the UK crowd watches football. Oh, true. True, 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 true. You got me there. Maybe not American football, but they watch football. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, no. But let me just uh, read out loud a quote from President Tony Khan. My man is making himself look like a fool once again. And it's a reply to Paul Levesque's comments. And I quote, We certainly won't be the secondary promotion at All In. We're number one in the UK on TV with a record gate. I have a lot of respect for Cody. I know these weren't his words, to be fair, but we're not secondary in a lot of markets. For the first time in a long time, WWE has been the secondary in a lot of markets. I'm proud of where we're at and we're not taking a backseat to anybody. Do you agree or disagree with Mr. Tony Khan? I mean, I'm also the best looking person named Brian in my house. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, in a lot of markets... I'm number one, bro. So, (laughs) I mean, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, are they number one? Yes. Are they on free TV? Yes. WWE is not, from what I understand. (laughs) Uh, It is what it is, dude. And I don't know. Like, it it is what it is. It's true, but... I I still think most people prefer WWE, especially here in America. I mean, if Tony Khan wants to go move AEW to England and be number one over there, then go ahead. By all means, film more over there. If that's the case, then why are you still not first in your home market? That's all I'm going to say. 
Yeah, man. TK just made himself look like a fool once again. I mean, you don't have to reply to everything, but when he does, it's instant comedy, bro. And just best believe the trolls are going to come. And the trolls came at him really hard with that one. Yeah, but you know, let's talk about the other show that's going to be happening here. SummerSlam in Detroit, Michigan. We talked about last episode. Last year's SummerSlam was half-filled, but still, I want to say more than double, more than triple the size of any AEW event they've done in the United States. So... Here we are, SummerSlam, but Rhea Ripley is not going to be having a match at SummerSlam, and neither is... Becky, Trish, the newly crowned WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Sonya Deville, and Chelsea Green. And Austin Theory, too. Yep, and Miss I Have a Back, Raquel Rodriguez, is also missing SummerSlam. Yeah, but you know, I'm okay with this, and let me... I'm not the type of person that says that every championship needs to be defended on every show. I'm actually quite the opposite of that. I want to see quality matches over the quantity of matches because I remember watching those early AEW pay-per-views and I want to say it was like six hours. There was 15 matches and that's too much and I'm okay with having a seven to eight match card and if that means that some of these titles are being left off because there are not any stories being built around them or there's just more interesting things going on, I'm okay with that. We still have plenty of time to spread out all these championship matches on TV. That's good. That's good thought. And just a little fun fact right here. The two people that are are going to be on the card is none other than Jay Uso and Charlotte Flair. Did you know that Jay Uso is 4-0 and in SummerSlam? Hey. And my girl Charlotte Flair is 5-0 and at SummerSlam? This is going to be great. Can we see some upsets? Can we see some new champions being crowned? I can't wait. Possibly. Definitely listen to our prediction episode and listen to our recap when that comes out. Yep. And if Charlotte wins... You won because you did predict Charlie to win. I, I, I'm not too sure about that, though. <laughs> Man. So moving on, let's talk about some NXT business. Remember how we, we talked about why is everybody compared to Rey Mysterio? Yes, 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 yes. So now we have Rey Mysterio in the corner of Dragon Lee. I'm assuming this is to give him some rub as this guy was one of the other guys that was also called the future Rey Mysterio. Yep. Uh, I don't see it. Dragon Lee is an amazing wrestler. He comes from an amazing family. His brother is none other than AEW's own Rush. To be honest, I, th- I think they're twins. But I don't think I don't think they're twins. I mean, you can't really tell underneath the mask, but the mouth features and nose features, they look similar. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this is copy and paste booking. They got Ray versus Dom, except Ray's on Dragon Lee's corner here. I believe so. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But right before Dominic became a WWE superstar, there was an interview that Ray Mysterio did, and they asked him about his retirement match. And if I remember correct, Ray Mysterio said his retirement match would obviously be against his son. And he said Ray would have liked it to be a mask versus hair match. If this were to happen in next year's WrestleMania, Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio at WrestleMania, would you like to see a Lucha de Apuestas match? Mask versus hair? Um, I think he deserves a different type of retirement match. Not against his own son. It's a hair versus mask match. Like, you already lost your mask to Kevin Nash. Granted, this is technically a different mask, and this is a different name, because back then he was Rey Mysterio Jr., spelled differently, now he's Rey Mysterio, so technically it's a different character, different mask, so this is allowed under the Mexican lucha rules, right? Because if you lose your mask, you can come back under a different mask and a different name. Correct. So, who knows, man? It is what it is, so I would think that's shitty, but see, I would actually like it that Dominic would start using the mask for a little bit. Dominic Mysterio did steal Rey Mysterio's mask at Royal Rumble. He did, technically, right? He jumped him, and then you never saw Rey, but you saw the mask come out. 
Yep. Yep. But I don't know. Eh, it is what it is. I'm not okay with this, actually. Nah. Okay. Moving on here. We've seen some people complain on the interwebs about not being on shows. We mentioned Ray Ripley amongst them. One of the people being left off of PLE events as well as Cora Jade. She said she hasn't been on a PLE since April 2022. And this is true, right? This is true. But also NXT has their very similar to AEW has their weekly events, right? Like spring break in or roadblock or the fuck they got going on. Yeah, yeah. So she's been part of those, but not really a PLE. They only got like four of those. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't consider those to be televised events, not PLEs. I mean, I think they're still special in their own right. But I actually think this is her signaling that she is leaving NXT and getting called up to the main roster. And uh, is that going to cause her to be lost in the shuffle, Adrian? Cora Jade made a splash in NXT. Natalia went down there to Developmental to try to help her out. Nothing really came about that feud that they had until Cora Jade just started going off on her own. A few people did say it was because her relationship with Braun the Breaker. I don't care. That's backstage politicking. But I don't think she'll be lost in the shuffle. If they use her right, I don't think so. I mean, you have plenty of women in WWE Raw locker room that are lost in the shuffle. So if you're going to leave those women to the side, you got to push at least one or two. And if Cora Jade's going to get pushed and the other ones are going to get shoved out to the side, then uh, to be honest, I don't know, man. This is hard. Hopefully they bring the women's division back to the golden era of the four horsewomen and the women's revolution. Because right now, it's not it. It's not it, my guy. So let me ask you a question, Adrian, and it's about people being lost in the shuffle. Yes. So previously we were talking about The Miz and how he's the king of the lackeys, right? So what is worse, debuting as a lackey to The Miz or joining AEW as a mid-card guy? Ooh. While you think of your answer here, let me tell you what I think. Being a lackey to The Miz... I mean, you, we went down the list. We said Daniel Bryan. We said Alex Riley. I mean, there's so many of them. Fucking John Morrison. Like, they all went off to have some some successful careers. Is it their fault that they didn't get over? I mean, it's not the Miz's fault. He did his thing. Um, Sandow got over himself. Daniel Bryan. Um, that was a whole teach this guy wrestling, teach this guy gimmick kind of thing. Bronson Reed, Chiampa. I wouldn't say they're lost in the mid card. I mean, let me, let me rephrase that. I would say they're in the mid card. They're going to be in the mid card for a reason. They're not going to possibly go up. They're not going to go down. It is what it is. If eventually they go down, it's going to be like Baron Corbin. And Baron Corbin had a great career. He didn't win any world title, but hey, that man had a good career. Now let's get on with the AEW mid carders here. Speaking of people that debuted, right? Let's let's talk about RVD here. RVD. Now I'm a fan of RVD. He was ranked number one in our top frog splashes not too long ago. That guy is bringing nothing to AEW currently in his current status and leapfrogged a lot of people that could have used that FTW championship or that spot against Jungle Boy at All In. It's going to be at Dynamite, not All In. Oh, Dynamite. Okay, my bad. Well, either way, I think that that's more of a death punch. Than being a Ms. Lackey. Yeah, I could say that's what I was going to say. Both have their advantages and both have their disadvantages. In AEW, if you're a mid-carder, you're around for three to four weeks, then you're gone for two months. Then you randomly show up, tag team with a few people, then you're gone, then you're on Rampage. Back then you were on Dark. Now a lot of people are going to Rampage or Collision. Being a Ms. Lackey has its advantages as well. You get to be on TV, you could be over, you could not, you can go and have a great career, but at the end of the day, it all depends on how the booker sees you. 
The Miz has had more lackeys, more firings than success stories. Let's not forget about that, the firings, because a lot of Miz lackeys have gotten fired. And they've returned, and they're still lost in the shelf. Bronson Reed came back. That's it. Nothing. Bronson Reed came back and nothing. Mm. Right now, the feud is between Tommaso Ciampa and Nakamura. Tommaso Ciampa can either be good or bad, but I mean, who does that help? You know, it's not going to help Nakamura if he loses. You're just going to have another great, talented wrestler being wasted in the shuffle. If Ciampa loses, then it's another Miz Lackey lost in the shuffle and possibly fired. It's a lose-lose situation with that. Alex Riley, Damian Sandow got over as much as he could with as much gimmicks as he could, but just management didn't like him. Got fired. Uh, Loomis, where's he at? I forgot about Dexter Loomis. Borgano. Hey, Borgano was not a Ms. Lackey, bro. Stop. Oh, I'm just saying, where's he at in general? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Who else? Our truth When he was a Ms. Lackey, bro, Ms. And R-Truth teamed up against none other than The Rock and John Cena. The pay-per-view buys, the ticket sales were poorly, and WWE management blamed it on R-Truth and Miz. Even with the two top stars on the card, they still couldn't do enough. So, whose fault is it that? I mean, if you have a match with The Rock and John Cena in a tag team match, that shit better be a sold-out night. It better be a must-talk match. Everybody forgot about it. Bro, you're talking about it right now, my guy. I looked it up. Oh, you see? You do your research, bro. You're not a Mark Podcaster like me. Nah, I had to look it up. I'm like, they had a fucking match? <laughs> and you know what? That was at the time Paul Levesque was the booker. <laughs> trash <laughs> trash so i mean let us know what you guys think what what is actually worse debuting as a mid carter in AEW or debuting as a ms lackey because uh i mean i don't think anybody that's debuted as a mid carter in AEW has done anything but anyways continuing along here without further ado let's get into our aew review yeah let's kind of go briefly over the match card here adrian if there's anything you want to say stop me all right so we start off with Chris Jericho and Konosuke Takeshita winning via pinfall on Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. Chris Jericho, from the announcers, they say that he's joined the family here, but uh, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. I think they were more referring to towards the end of the match where Don Callis purposely hit Daniel Garcia with a baseball bat and Jericho saw him do it. And that's where Jericho was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the announcers were talking and they were pretty much just saying, if Jericho goes for the pin, that means he's chosen size. And apparently after the match as well, Jericho got the one, two, three. Don Callis and Jericho, or mainly Don Callis was hugging Jericho. And yeah, Jericho's face seemed questionable. He's like, damn, did I just pin Daniel Garcia by help of Don John Callis? I don't know. I would have to wait till Jericho tells us. Yeah, it's weird. After that, we had Jungle Boy come out and then RVD comes out. We briefly talked about that, at least from my perspective. Adrian, what are your details on RVD making his AEW debut? <laughs> Uh, mainly more on the promo that he had with uh, Rene Paquette later on the show. The man was high as shit. He was stumbling over his words. At one point, he, he was looking somewhere else and not at the camera, playing around with his hands. I like RVD. He's great. He's good. But I don't know what they have in mind. Just like how you were saying earlier, he brings nothing to the table today. Today, RVD brings nothing to the table besides mm -hmm. a few hundred fans, maybe a thousand. That's it at most. Having said that, I agree with you. He leaped over a lot of people, and a lot of people could have used that spot. 
Exactly. And it, and this brings me to this, the second thing that I was saying on here. I feel like there is no plan here other than we got to bring somebody in because we booked ourselves into this issue with Jerry Lynn not even being able to wrestle. So they just called anybody because it honestly it looked to me that he was completely unprepared to be there on TV. I feel like, like you mentioned, he was high and I feel like so either he didn't know he was going to be on TV or he just didn't care that he was going to be high on TV because we yeah, saw him at the draft, right? And he looked okay at the draft. I mean, granted, he was holding the card upside down, but I don't think that's his fault. I think there's really nothing on the card anyways. And he just... <laughs> Either way, you know, uh, they made that guy wear a suit. So that means something. At least they, they thought that much in advance, you know? So there's that. But uh, yeah, this reminds me of like Sabu when they brought him in randomly. Yeah. But yeah, RVD's there now. Apparently, he's going to have a match. And then I want to talk and get a little bit more detail about the John Moxley versus Penta versus Trent Breda. Anything goes match. The crowd was going wild, chanting fight forever when all these guys were doing were just throwing each other on thumbtacks. And to me, I was just like, this is kind of lame. But these fans were just popping. It didn't make sense to me. I mean, I, granted, I don't like hardcore matches, but I've seen better hardcore matches. Yeah, this this was definitely not one of those top hardcore matches. What I do like to point out is that Penta is a hardcore wrestler in Mexico. He recently had a ambulance match with... Hold on, time out, time out. A banger of an ambulance match, I might add. Banger of an ambulance match with Barrio Toys family-owned QT Marshall. Yes, apparently QT is one of the most hated wrestlers in Mexico to this day, along with Aaron Solo. Interview with Aaron Solo, he said, I have never even been to Mexico. I don't know why I'm hated. Probably because I hang out with QT. <laughs> yeah. I did like the match, but surprisingly, Trent Beretta got the pin on Benta. Do you like the ending? What are your thoughts on the ending, Brian? Uh, so let me get this. So I liked the unexpected win from Trent Beretta. I didn't like how these guys were tossing each other on the thumbtacks. And then all it took. So they've been doing all these moves on each other, right? And all it took for John Moxley to not be able to get up to block this count of three is a little shove into the corner that, that Trent Beretta gave him. Like you, you can take thumbtacks. You can take chair shots. Kendo stick shots. You can take everything. But as soon as somebody pushes you to the side, I've had it. I've given up. I can't do anything anymore. So that I thought was kind of lame. Like you usually you see like wrestlers throw their opponent over the top rope or hit their finishing move on the other guy himself. But not this. He just literally like shoulder tackled him. And then Moxley was like, I can't get up. So to me, that kind of kills it for me a little bit more than than anything. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Whoa, can I expose real quick? Go ahead. Because if I remember correctly, where I was talking about AEW talent using modern day medicine and how they can take all these bumps here and there, right? Moxley was in a blood and guts match not too long ago on the 19th of July. Then he had a triple threat tag team match with Lucha Bros and the best friends. The man's body is hurt. Oh my God. (sighs) All right. I mean, all it took was a table spot. The man was tired, bro. He was tired, bro. All right. Well, I guess that makes sense. He has been through so much hardcore matches recently that this shoulder tackle was, uh, what is it? The, (laughs) the piece of straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know. Wherever that, you guys know what I'm talking about. (laughs) That thing. But yeah, so apparently that's the shoulder tackle of death. Yeah. Yeah, that was not it, bro. That's just like how Raquel Rodriguez got injured with the weakest sparting kick to the knee. Oh, yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah, I used to be an adventurer like you, and then I took an arrow to the knee. That's a Skyrim reference for all you people out there that like Skyrim. Anyways, Adrian, back to back to AEW Dynamite. All right. 
Right, since we were talking about three-way matches earlier, we have the next match is none other than the Elite versus... Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and Satnam Singh. They apparently still have no faction name. I don't know why, but it was basically a, a gimmicky match for the Elite and Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett and Satnam Singh. It was a gimmick, gimmick match, bro. Did you like the match? I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And for the third time, because it's uh, there's trios, I didn't like it. It didn't make sense to me. <sighs> there's a lot of stuff I can get into about this match itself. Um, the fact that, you know, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, they have four people, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Sanam Singh, they have Karen Jarrett outside and, um, uh, Sanjay Dutt. So it's essentially five on four. They all get involved. I didn't like how they made the ref look like a complete goof for like a two minute spot. This ref is just sitting there with his back turned, just waiting for all these guys to get their shit in, to get the ending in. And I didn't like that. You know what I mean? Like, don't insult me, bro. Like, I know you know there's shit going on beside you. You feel the ring. Yeah. You yeah. hear the yelling. You hear all the weapons. You hear everything going on, bro. Eh, don't insult my intelligence as a wrestling fan. Yeah, I, I sort of had mixed feelings towards this match. It was a little too gimmicky for me. I mean, yeah, they had to put the Elite on the match, especially on Dynamite 200. I'm pretty sure the only reason why they put them on the card, just so they can announce that they've re-signed with AEW. And they did. Exactly. And we're going to get back into more detail with that. But first, Adrian, where can people follow us? People can follow us on all social media platforms at Triggered Wrestling, Twitter, or is it X now? I don't know. I'm still calling it Twitter X. Twitter X. Yes, Twitter X. Follow us at T-R-I-G-G underscore W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G. Also, check out our website, Triggered Wrestling, for more exclusive content we have a calendar right there if you want to go to some of the shows that we talked about here at triggered wrestling podcast please go to our calendar we have meet and greets at barrio toys every third sunday we're going to be at a supreme pro wrestling in elk grove california so please follow us follow our content like comment and subscribe hey all right we're back so i just want to go over that we skipped something uh we skipped mjf but either way i still have triggered energy for this next topic is so after this elite match right the match of the elite here they go on the mic to announce that they re-signed why why you don't see that shit in any other company other than this fucking company why is that adrian it was heavily rumored that the elite were possibly thinking of joining wwe there was a lot of marks out there both fan bases aw and wwe barking at each other on social media twitter facebook instagram reddit at least joining wwe no elite staying I mean, I don't keep up with the contracts, only with a few wrestlers. I mean, it was announced on social media earlier that day. Do they need to announce it on live TV? I don't think so. But, you know, EVP's got to feel their ego somehow, right? It was ridiculous to me. Like, I mean, I don't understand, bro. I don't understand. I don't get it. I mean, maybe it's like a cheap shot to Cody Rhodes and Triple H and the WWE. I, I don't know. But to me, it was unnecessary considering they themselves leaked the information earlier to Sports Illustrated. This is one of my conspiracy theories here is that you know how like you always have all these leaks about like oh switchblade is going to be joining wwe and then like last minute oh no he's going to this yep and then did they did the same thing with someone else it's the point where i'm like are they really interested because a lot of these names like to me don't even make sense in wwe like kota abushi they brought him in for cruiserweight classic but i don't see a spot for him in wwe let alone jay white let alone a lot of these names so to me i'm just like i just feel like they're at this point just leaking information just for the sake of it to make it seem like they actually chose AEW over WWE. I mean, they might have, but I mean, I feel like it's all the time, you know? Yeah. Like, were all these rumors when WWE did sign all these names, like, as to Johnny Bor- Johnny, I was going to say Borgano, bitch. I hate you. <laughs> see, see what you do to me, Adrian? Uh, Johnny, what's his name? I don't even know his name, bro. <laughs> 
Gargano. <laughs> Johnny Gargano. See, I can't. <laughs> I can't, bro. I, I keep thinking Johnny Borgano because of you. All right. So Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Like none of these names ever came up. And there was never an article about AEW signing them. But why is there an article with WWE signing all these people that AEW signed? You know, it's weird to me. And then with all these rumors going around with CM Punk saying that CM Punk never leaked any information. But yet the elite were the ones giving the information. So it, it's, it's just very weird to me. Like what's really going on? What's the truth? What's the truth? And you also have people when they do interviews, people like to uh, switch the narrative. Um, you have someone like Dax Harwood when he was doing his podcast. He was putting little hints here and there that he was possibly going to sign with WWE. You yourself used to be an avid listener of his podcast. And what happened? They signed with AEW and Dax Harwood is like, oh, wow, this is a toxicity. Uh, I'm blaming JD or Sean Sapp or Sean Ross, whatever his name is, for leaking all this information. And everybody was like, Dax, you leaked it yourself. Exactly my point. <laughs> But either way, I still believe that FTR made the wrong choice by staying with AEW. I feel like they should have gone in WWE. And done what? Shit. At least been on TV every week. At least that. At least give some life to the non-existent tag division. OC? Do not say that the OC, bro. They were not that good. Bro, name a tag team that can potentially take the titles away from Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens right now. In this exact month. Yeah, in this exact moment, there is nobody. I'm going to be honest. There's nobody. It's a thin division. And if FTR would have gone over there, most likely, to be honest, if they would have gone to WWE, most likely they would have had the title split. One tag team in Raw, the other one on SmackDown. But right now, the tag is going all over the promotions. Currently, right now, Kevin Owens is out of action. So, yeah, they need to focus on the tag team division. And I'm most likely, probably FTR would have signed with them if they, you know, elevated the tag team division. Uh, who knows? I'm not going to speculate why they signed, why they didn't sign. But what I'm going to speculate on is that even though FTR is the tag team champions, they're not the hottest tag team in AEW. And that's Adam Cole MGF, baby. Yep, yep, yep. That's the hottest tag team right there. But uh, going back in time here, because we actually skipped that part of the show here, we had MJF give his baby face promo, begging sympathy from the crowd, talking about, I had ADHD, I got cheated on, I got this, and that's why I'm a scumbag. I had somebody throw quarters at me and call me little Jew boy. That's his words, not mine. So don't quote me on that. But uh, yeah, he essentially comes out to say thank you to Adam Cole and offer him a title shot at All In in Wembley Stadium. Adrian, what are your thoughts? This in-ring segment promo went on for far too long than it needed. MJF pretty much recapped everything that he has said on the mic in the past, what, couple years? Bro, just go out there. Thank Adam Cole. Thank the fans. Bring out Adam Cole and just give him the match. That's it. Could have been done in less than 10 minutes. Probably eight for dramatic purposes or something. It went on too long just for a match that surprisingly is going to be the main event of All In. But uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Only It's not. uh, Sorry. Let me ask you this. Let me interrupt you. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. Let me ask you though, bro, because I talk a lot. So I want to hear your perspective first here, Adrian. Is that a Wembley Stadium, 80,000 people watching event main event? If you watch the first 30 minute bout between MJF and Adam Cole, yes. Okay. Both of them have the star power as a Hogan and Rock. Absolutely not. Will the match deliver? Yes. Is the story delivering? Yes. It has all the attributes a WWE mark like yourself likes. But for some reason, since it's AEW, there's barking. Mm. I, you don't even know my point of view, bro. 
And here you are, putting words in my mouth. Stories, you just call them the best tag team on the on the show. They are the best tag team on the show, but let me tell you this. Do I think that this is the best main event that they could have put on this show? No. Am I happy with it? Yes. I'm okay with seeing MJF versus Adam Cole in front of 80,000 people, and this is what you're going to essentially all in is your WrestleMania of AEW, and I feel like they could have booked this a little bit differently, and I feel a little bit let down by the length of the promo and then by the time the payoff came in you're like okay they could have made it a little bit more sentimental they could have done it a little bit different Eh, i'm okay with it being the main event i just feel like cm punk at the same time saying he's the real champion like where does that leave him and there's still a couple weeks away so they can easily change this somehow and that's the part that kind of grinds my gears considering how all out is literally the weekend after all in in chicago so if they go out there and announce that the winner of that match is going to face CM Punk and Chicago to see who the real champion is, bro, that just ruined it all for me. Yeah, that would be a letdown. But since we are on the subject of CM Punk all in and world title, where does that leave CM Punk? According to himself, he's the AEW world champion. Do you think something will happen in collision coming up and say, whoa, 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 I'm the real champion. I will offer a contract at all in. I mean, he does have a match against Ricky Starks coming up on collision. For the real. And see, this is the thing that AEW shoots themselves in the foot. So even on like the lower third previews, they have it CM Punk versus Ricky Starks for the real AEW championship. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what it's being promoted as. So, uh, like, to me, it's just, it's a bad look. It's copy and paste booking like we talked about. So, uh, Adrian, I know that you were all upset about participation titles here. So, is this one different or no? Participation title? Here's the thing. When the Elite got stripped off their trios title, they didn't go on TV and say, we're the real champions. We're going to go on a seven series match with the Lucha Bros. They fought their way through the trios titles. You yourself explained it last week. CM Punk was a sore loser, lost back-to-back matches, and it was like, no, 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 wait, actually, I'm the real champion. In the worlds of Rufio, best in the world, my ass. And that's me, a CM Punk mark. I think MJF's the real champion. I don't know what CM Punk is smoking. But yeah, I, I, I'm not really liking this uh, storyline that CM Punk is doing. Mainly because it, it affects the real world champion and, and MJF. That's the only reason why I don't agree with CM Punk right now. Exactly. So if Seth Rollins is the participation title holder, then that makes CM Punk the crybaby title holder, bro. Facts. Facts. But and see, and this is the part is after those matches, I honestly felt like Dynamite took a bit of a nosedive here. And let me continue why. So then we get Aussie Open versus Hijo del Vikingo and Commander for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. So I guess this is the see, and this is the thing. To me, this is a cold match. I'm sure they built up this match in Ring of Honor, but wasn't Mark Dunkzilla Davis? Wasn't he Mark Davis injured for a while? And that's why Kyle Fletcher was wrestling by himself. And then why are these matches being put on AEW TV when the Ring of Honor champions? I'm eh, that's what I have an issue with. I actually don't have an issue with it because that would lead more people. Hey, that would tell people, hey, you like these guys? You like Ozzy Open? Yes. Do you see the titles they have? Yes. There are not AEW titles. There are Ring of Honor titles. Yes. Okay. Uh, you want to see more of them? Go on YouTube. Do the research. Do you like them? Yes. No. Decide if you want to buy Honor Club or not. To me, I see it as an opportunity to see new talent. Talent that we're not used to seeing on TV as much. This is why a lot of people like Lucha Underground back in the day. It was the real alternative to WWE. And it delivered a lot of great talent from Lucha Underground is doing great things in the wrestling world. Prince Puma is wrestling Logan Paul at SummerSlam. 
Benta and Phoenix are well known in the United States, more known in the U.S. than they are in Latin America. You have someone like uh, Swerve Strickland, A.R. Fox. But see, but this is the issue I have with this, is that these people are, are very rarely on AEW, and the people that wanted to buy Ring of Honor Club have already bought Ring of Honor Club. I don't think by having these guys on TV, they're going to get more people to want to buy Honor Club, honestly. Hijo del Vikingo is AAA mega champion. If you want to watch him do his thing as a single star, watch AAA. Honestly, it's a lot more entertaining than the things he's doing in Ring of Honor. Kyle Fletcher and Dunk Zilla Davis, bro, are not making me spend the money to want to watch Honor Club. Neither is Cesaro, neither is Eddie Kingston. No one on that roster is going to make me want to spend $9.99 a month to watch them. And that's just me. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about wrestling, man. That's the thing about this platform that we have. We have different opinions, different um, different views on wrestling, on what we like, what we don't like. You don't like something? Cool. Bring it to the table. Talk about it. Get your trigger energy out. It's cool. Uh, me, on the other hand, to be fair, this match was slowly building. I would kind of doze off like the first, what, two, three minutes. But then after that, it got great. It got good. A hijo del vikingo, amazing wrestler. Commander. My God. My boy did a, what should I call it, a Canadian destroyer type of move over Mark Davis onto Kyle Fletcher? I can't even explain it. I don't know. You guys just got to watch it for yourselves. That's when it got good to me. The crowd was popping. The crowd was loud. I still wouldn't buy Honor Club only because I am Lee Broke. But it was a good match. I am Lee Broke. (laughs) Ah, man. Speaking of something that's been a a recurring topic on Trigger Wrestling is the booking decisions and how women are booked in AEW. So we get Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm for the AEW Women's World Championship, Adrian. And in case I'm missing something, how did this match get booked? This match got booked because it was known, I believe, a few weeks ago that Dynamite was going to have their 200th episode. They were promoting Shida as being a great champion, a year-long champion, especially in the pandemic year. Um, Not a lot of faces saw her. She didn't really elevate her, her stock. And that was obviously, of course, because of the pandemic. They couldn't travel. They were at Daily's Place with zero audience. And I think her time came up. They were like, all right, cool. You held up the women's division during the darkest time in wrestling and the darkest time in our era. So you you, you paid your dues. Episode 200, you're going to be the new women's champion. It was a surprise to everybody. My God, the whole wrestling world was speechless. Honestly, I was happy that she won. And I didn't, <laughs> for a second, it made me forget that this match was cold as hell. So uh, I'm happy that Hikaru Shida is the champion here. Tony Storm, her reign as champion, very much came and went very similar to Jamie Hayter, which is she was champion and then the championship kind of disappeared. Hopefully this is different with Hikaru Shida. And hopefully this is the end of the social outcast because honestly, I'm tired of it. There's just, I mean, there's no women's tag division. There's no women's trio division. You can't have Tony Storm and Ruby Riot both vying for the World Heavyweight Championship as they were before. So I hope this is kind of the end of that faction. And I hope this is a fresh start for the women's division, getting away from kind of that stuff and actually having somebody that's going to have good matches and hopefully build up other women to face. And if Sky Blue gets another world title shot here in the near future, I just shoot me now. Just shoot me now, people. Because there's... I just, I just hate how they keep hot shotting the women's division. Like, and I, and I hope it's not this way. I hope that next week they don't announce a women's tournament to find out who's going to fight Hikaru Shida. You know, like that's counterintuitive at this point. Yeah, I actually would not mind Shida becoming a fighting champion. That would put more eyes on Shida, more eyes on the women's division, and most importantly, more eyes on women wrestling. Because by God, yes, uh, it, it certainly needed some help. 
hopefully this boost can change things for AEW and WWE because it's something that both companies need to work on. I was surprised that Hikaru Shida won. I'm happy she won. Is this going to be a reoccurring thing with AEW where they're going to elevate the women's division? I don't know, but this is a good start. And hopefully they keep that momentum going on because I'm sure the fans like it. I like it. Kaylin likes it. Hopefully this can be the push that they deserve and hopefully this will bring the eyes to the women's division in AEW. Honestly, if I want someone to face Hikaru Shida first, it has to be Tony Storm to get her rematch. If there's anything short of that, I'm going to be triggered because we're triggered wrestling. That's what we do, baby. Yeah. Honestly, too, All In is right around the corner. Shida needs to be on that card. She's been in the women's division from day one. She's an AEW original. She needs to be at All In. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Sheeta and other AEW women originals being in a multi-woman match, triple threat or fatal four-way. Just get as much talent as you can on the grandest stage of them all, which is AEW All In. But let me ask you this question. I know we're talking about AEW and All In, and this is the end of our review for Dynamite 200. So let me ask you this question, Brian. We got SummerSlam right around the corner. Do you think we're going to see a new women's champion? And if we do, do you think WWE is going to put more eyes on the women's division? Yes and yes. Uh, I said the women's champion, remember, it's going to end up being Charlotte Flair. So that's new champion. And if Charlotte Flair is new champion, then that means that woman's division is going to get a ton of TV time because she's the GOAT. She's the female GOAT. And if anybody has an issue with that, hit us up on social media. Hit us up on the comments. Let me know what y'all think. But first, a word from our sponsors. Yes. Actually, speaking of Charlotte Flair, did you know her cheat day consists of nothing but Mexican food? She likes tacos, burritos, nopales. She even mentioned nopales. She didn't say cactus. She said nopales, bruh. She did say nopales. And speaking of Mexican food and Charlotte Flair's cheat day routine, please check out Taqueria Guadalajara on 6 West Court Street, Woodland, California, 95695, home of the Giant Burrito Challenge. It consists of two 14-inch tortillas with rice, beans, guacamole, pico de gallo, and your choice of meats. You have a time limit of 20 minutes. If you finish it under the 20-minute time limit, get the burrito for free. You get your picture taken with the belt, and your picture gets immortalized in the restaurant. So please stop by Taqueria Guadalajara to try out the Giant Burrito Challenge. I don't know if I have enough room in my stomach for that, my guy. But one of these days, I'm going to try it. We go have someone, bro. <laughs> meet in the middle like <laughs> <laughs> like fucking the lady in the tramp bro stop <laughs> uh, i'm dead i wanted to bring up another key topic before we leave and this is none other than sheamus actually sheamus is actually you know a little pissed off that his push after his match with gunther at clash of the castle didn't get a, a bigger push for sheamus and you can look up online uh, but i have a quote right here from Seamus in an interview that he did with Daily Star. Seamus said, I'm not upset at all. I felt it was great. It was a type of character Seamus is, all fists and elbows. What really bothered me was the creative after that. I came out with that so much organic momentum, it was just wasted. It didn't go anywhere. It was a dead end, just like WrestleMania. Drew went away because he was injured, but I was ready to go, then just nothing. There was no avenues and nowhere to go. That's frustrating. I did the war games thing, but that was shit. That's how I felt. The others might felt differently. How do you respond to this? Honestly thought when he had that match at Clash at the Castle, I, I thought that was a retirement match, bro. He stood in the middle of the <laughs> ring and they cheered him on like if it was his retirement, bro. So, I mean, I honestly didn't think anything too much of it. If you would have just walked away 
Instead of soaking it in, it would have been more memorable. Kind of like when Zelina Vega, after she lost, she let the hometown crowd cheer her on. And it's obviously like, I'm not going to see you guys for a while because this is the only reason I got this push. So soak it all in because you're not going to see me for a while. That's kind of what I took it as. But I don't know. Sheamus is, uh, I, I don't think we're going to see him in the world title picture anytime soon. Yeah. Didn't he get a match? With Austin Theory after that, if I'm not mistaken? Mm, no, I don't remember, honestly. Oh, was that a rematch with Gunther? I can't recall. I remember he lost a singles match, and then he got put in a triple threat match with Drew McIntyre, and uh, that's the last I remember. And I'm not going to Google it, but you guys can at home. Yeah, and speaking of retiring, Daddy Ass made the decision to leave his boots in the squirt circle at an episode of Collision. Could he be hinting at retiring? Because nobody saw that coming. Do you think he's retiring? Do you think it's just the work? I mean, I don't know if he's going to retire. Um, I would take it that he should probably retire and it's nothing about his age, but, uh, yeah, he could still go. He could still go. Has he still been coming out with uh, the acclaimed? No. After that episode of collision where they lost the trios match against house of black. Yeah. He's been, he's been out of action. Maybe it's his way of saying that I'm going back to the primary promotion and retiring and hall of fame, getting all my merch deals done. Maybe that's what that is, bro. But honestly, I don't know. Yeah, man. He's 59 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He does a lot still for a 59-year-old man. I think, I mean, I don't wouldn't want him hurt in the ring or get hurt. If, if he wants to leave, by all means, please do it in a reasonable manner, I would say. Get some confetti, you know? I just think that quote-unquote retirement thing was, uh, was a little teaser. But yeah, bro, go all out. And then if you want to go join WWE and get a second retirement match, go ahead. Ric Flair's had one. <laughs> <laughs> Ric Flair's gonna have a Ric Flair's last retirement match part two, bro. Bro, probably he retired with Shawn Michaels and went to TNA, retired there. He's gotta retire in every single company. He's gonna retire at NWA Power. He's gonna go back to Impact. He's gonna go to AAA and retire, bro. He's gonna retire everywhere. Yup, that's Ric Flair, bro. Hey, did you know he has an energy drink out? No, what is it called? Woo! Energy drink. You're fucking lying. I swear, bro. Oh my god. Using functional mushrooms to change? Are you serious? To change energy drink game. It's me in a can. Uh, Woo, energy. Seven, seven different <laughs> functional <laughs> mushrooms are used in a recipe that does not produce the usual jitters. Well, I will not be trying one of those and I will generously pass. So yes. if anybody wants to hit us up that tries that energy drink, let us know. <laughs> Well, Adrian, any final thoughts? No, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> All right, we're going to end the show on Ric Flair and his energy drink. But don't forget to follow us on Triggered Wrestling everywhere except for Twitter. On Twitter, we are T-R-I-G-G underscore wrestling. Hit us up in the comments. Let us know what's up. And most importantly, guys, stay triggered. Bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs>